morning, everyone. It's my pleasure to be here and bring you the Word of God. And we are going to take a little bit of a side break today from... We were in Hebrews, and so there's no more, there's nothing more to say, <laughs> at least now about Hebrews, right? 13 chapters, and so we've been praying about what book to go through, and we'll, we'll, we'll let you know next week. We think it's going to be 1 Timothy. The reason why is just because of where our church is right now. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, these pastoral epistles really lay out the foundation for not only a church, but also the leadership of a church. So I welcome you guys to take a few minutes, probably take you less than 15 to read right through. It's only six chapters. And so we'll be in 1 Timothy next week, probably for a couple months, not even. And then we are going to uh, dive into uh, maybe some Old Testament after that. But today we are going to talk about the hottest topic in Christianity right now, 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years in the future, and that topic is the gospel. That's what we are going to talk about today. So I'm going to take a side uh, out of the new. We're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to Isaiah 52, which may already be up there. And this is verses 5 and uh, going through 7. So I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to give you a little bit of context just so we could sort of tie it into where we're going. So verse 5, Isaiah 52, down through verse 7. Now, therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people have been taken away without cause? Again, the Lord declares, those who rule over them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. Verse 6, therefore, my people shall know my name, Therefore, in that day, I am the one who is speaking. Here I am. How lovely are the feet, or I'm sorry, how lovely are the, uh, on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness, who announces salvation and says to Zion, your God reigns. And so what we have here is uh, the prophet Isaiah he was around 700, 800 in there B.C. And he was a prophet raised up by God for the southern kingdom of, of Israel. And uh, if you know, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom were part of the united kingdom that was with David. But then after David, the kingdom divided, as God had promised, this house would be divided. It was divided to the north and to the south. But yet God still looked at both nations, quote-unquote, as his people, the northern kingdom and the southern. Isaiah was a prophet to the southern kingdom right about at the tail end of the northern kingdom's exile. Say, so follow me here. So the Assyrians came in to the, north, uh, the northern kingdom, which was really called Israel, or as we look at it now in, in, our, in our studies, Samaria. And the Assyrians came in and they just wiped them out. And Isaiah is basically saying to the southern kingdom, this is what happened with the northern kingdom. It's going to happen to you too because of your rebellion against the Lord. And so that's what happened. The exile came for the southern kingdom, which was through Babylon, which we, re we read through Nehemiah. So the exile, uh, the Isaiah was preaching. And if you notice, there's a couple of key things here that really sort of uh, tie it together to the gospel. Now, I know if you go <clears throat> out on the street 
or better yet, not even out on the street. Let's say we left here today at around, I don't know, quarter to 12 instead of our regular time. And we just start to drive to all the local churches and we wait for the Christians to come out. And each of us takes a few and says, what is the gospel? Now, you would probably get a lot of different answers. Think about it. What would you say if somebody said to you, what is the gospel? Now, you may say, come on, Pat. This is it. We're a church. You know, we, I've been a member here so many years. I, I know what the gospel is. Right. And you may say, it's Jesus saving me from my sins. Another person may say, yeah, the gospel for me is that, you know, God came down to save the world. Another say the gospel is Jesus changed my life. He took me out of the dregs of the of the mire of, of, of the clay and he was sinking and he pulled me out and he changed my life. That's what the gospel is. And is all those things true? I think so. Yeah, I think all of them can be true. As in other words, what I mean by true is, yes, they're all true. But can we use those as responses to that question? Because there's a lot at stake when we talk about the gospel. And I believe that we've, as a church in general, wholesale, in, you know, right now, not just FEC, but everywhere, we have to really labor to force ourselves to go back to really what the gospel is because of all the benefits of the gospel, try to make, uh, bring us to really what the gospel isn't. You see, the benefits of the gospel are a result of an inward change from the gospel message. But is, where does it start? Well, I'll tell you, I just read it. The gospel starts right here in Isaiah 52 in terms of where it's mentioned in the Bible very specifically. This passage right here talks about, notice, it talks about that the Lord is seeing that his people are in captivity and it's the Lord who's giving them a promise saying you are going to be delivered from that captivity. Someone is going to bring good news. It's going to be peace. It's going to mean happiness. He is going to announce salvation. We are talking about this in Foundations. This word in the Old Testament, salvation, is Yeshua, Jesus. And so it's he who announces salvation. He who announces Jesus. So we have all of these different ideas of really what the gospel does for us. And it does all those things. And it does so much more. And the reason why is because it takes the barrier that's between man and God and it brings it and it's, it, it, it eliminates it. And so the, the, the impact of the gospel, when you and God reconcile through Jesus Christ, through his blood, the impact could be, it, it could go so far this way, it could go so far that way. It could go down the negative path as you think it's negative. Or it could go down the path of complete transformation. There always will be trials. But it's the gospel message, the announcing of the gospel, is that what I really want to focus on today. Because I think what we do is we get off track with all the benefits of the gospel, and, we for, and then because we really miss what the gospel truly means in the Bible, we sort of are like, I don't know, if you have that, if you ever heard of the guy, it's a true story back in the 40s. A guy in Texas. And I don't remember his name and all the details, but you probably heard the story before. He had oil, a lot, 
in his backyard. He lived on this farm for over 50 years. He was an older guy. And not until he was about 80 years old did he discover this oil. And obviously his family became rich. But the whole time he was living there, it was there. Was he surviving? Yes. Was he enjoying his life? Yes. Was he having quality? Whatever. Yeah, probably. He didn't know what was there. When you get the gospel right from page one, from that top button, you will see and uncover so much more than you ever thought was there. And what I'm talking about is it's starting with this passage right here in Isaiah, the announcing of the gospel. And if you notice, God is sort of sarcastically saying this to the people. He's saying, now, therefore, what do I have here? This is sort of the nuance in the original language. And you could even see it here translated into the English. What do we have here, seeing that my people have been taken away without cause? Have they been taken away without cause? No. They were warned many times that they would go into exile. And so he's saying, those who rule over them, how? Those people who are ruling over you, they're yelling at you, they're howling. But guess what? My name was continually howled in a blasphemous way all day long. So God is showing them. You see how you're howling because of your enemies ruling over you? Well, guess what? You are howling blasphemies against me. And this is what happens when you don't follow my way. He's saying to these people, but then like God always is, he is not a God that leaves us in our sin, is he? He always restores his long suffering is amazing. It's forever. His love is incredible. And again, we could stop right there because those things are all components of the gospel, the love of God, the compassion. He says here, therefore, my people shall know my name. He's saying you know what? You're going to know who I am. This phrase means that I'm going to do something where you're going to go, oh, that's God. Can't deny that. And then he's going to say, when I do come and rescue you, Isaiah, this is what I want you to say, Mr. Isaiah, because what did Isaiah say to God back in chapter six? Here I am. Send me. So now what is God saying to him? I'm going to be the one to say, here I am. Because you are going to need help. You are going to be dying. You're going to be falling away in your sins. And God's going to say, here I am. And you're going to say, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Remember Paul talking about shodding our feet with the gospel of peace? Right? This is what he's alluding to. So he, look at the feet. He announces peace. He brings good news of happiness. It's well-being. It's not having a, an emotional happiness. It's that contentment that only comes in the salvation of the gospel through Christ. And says to Zion, Jerusalem, your God reigns. That is a royal word. Many, trans, or many translators put a little thing there next to that word and put rules the gospel here it comes yeah, let's crank it up the gospel is about god being king 
The gospel is an announcement about God being king. The gospel is a royal proclamation that says that God is now becoming king just as he had promised. Now, see, if you start there with the gospel, you uncover all the jewels, you uncover all the oil, you get all of the, uh, I would say, benefits of every aspect of the, of the depth of the gospel's restorative power behind you. Why? Because God is now king over the world where Satan had everybody in complete deceit under his power. And so, like we said today, redemption is buying back. And if you don't know this, mark this down. This is about authority. It's about legality. So God is a God of justice. So when this earth fell into sin, God can't just wink his eye and poof us out of it. He has to go through the proper channels that he has created according to his character. He didn't even have to say, well, this is what I'm going to create because this is him. He just did it. It is. It is. It's order. It's justice. It's perfection, okay? And it's mercy and love and grace. But how? They contradict. No, they all meet in the amazing wisdom of the cross where the love of God in Christ Jesus and the wrath of God and the justice of God, they all meet and are satisfied in Christ. Now, what happens is, is Jesus rises from the dead from that death and he's seated at the right hand of God. And over heaven and earth. And so the first thing we have to get about the gospel is it puts Jesus in charge again. Not that he wasn't always in charge, omniscient, sovereign God. No, we're talking about in the realm and in the economy of this world that he created. That's how it had to go. And so he sends Jesus to reconcile this. Now, Jesus becomes king without Jesus being king you cannot be saved. Without Jesus, didn't just, otherwise Jesus would have just came down as an infant and spilled the royal blood and it would have been game over, done. No, Jesus was taking back that which was his. And so when you understand that the gospel is an announcement about something that happened to a specific person and you hear that message which should go something like this, that Jesus Christ, being fully God and fully man, according to the scriptures, came to earth to forgive sins. He lived a perfect life. He spilled his blood. His blood covers you and your sins are forgiven. And now, now your life begins. Now, is the game started. Now you're going to do what God called. He has called you for something. Now it's page one. Page one. Salvation is in page two. The gospel is in page two. And so as soon as that happens, you are now adopted into God's kingdom and his family, and you have that purpose. That's, but it must start. If Jesus isn't at that king and at that thing, it would have just been, oh, I'm just going to die and go to heaven. Great. And I'm going to spend time off. That's not the gospel. 
And I, if you've been here, if you've been coming here any amount of time, you know that a lot of times I talk about the gospel being confused with going to heaven or the gospel even being confused with salvation. Hmm. Right. I've said that before too. Romans. If you go to Romans one, for I'm not ashamed. This was verse 16 and 17. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation or for salvation to everyone who believes. So you get, see that? So the gospel is a message about Jesus being king, about him dying for the sins of his people, about him rising, you know, raising from the dead. And then what ends up happening is that message gets preached and people get saved and changed by the Holy Spirit. They hear that message. It's not your, again, it's not our like great way to explain it, our salesmanship. It's just the word of God. It's the power of God unto salvation. <clears throat> and so that's where the crux of the gospel is. What ends up happening is, is we make the gospel about going to heaven. And that's what I was going to say. If, if you've been here for a while, you know that that's something that I think is a major mistake in our worldview, that heaven is some sort of place that the gospel is going to get us to, or, the he, or that the gospel, by believing that, is going to get me to be, have a better afterlife. And it does those things. But that's not the purpose of it. Heaven is a pit stop. Heaven is a pit stop. It's the place you go when you pass out of this world and you're immediately in paradise, present with the Lord, your spirit. And you are taken care of and you're doing whatever it is that people do. I don't know how God has it lined up. We just know that to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. We have no idea, but we do know that that DNA that's in the ground cannot be destroyed, right? And so God, when he returns, he says it. These bones are going to live. And all the sinew and all the tendons and all the muscles and all the everything is going to come back together. And you are going to be raised back to life. And so if you have believed the message of the gospel, you're going to rise up to, to, to the same thing that you went, that you, that you passed with. And that is Jesus is King. He's going to give me a new body. He's going to, and then you sleep and then you raise up. So there's a continuity, but there's a little discontinuity. And now you're going to be in that new creation with the presence of God. But we cannot discount what the gospel does save us from. And we have to be careful because of this carcass of flesh that we walk around in that you know, that we feel that we try to work on and make it look all pretty, right? That is a carcass of flesh carries a sin disease that you can't escape from until that day. See, you may be freed from it now. You may have victory with it now, which we do in Christ, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to continue to battle and fight you. And that battle, and that, that, that right there is what Christ, he came to, to, to win that battle, but to make you and have you have peace and oneness with God. And that is on a full-blown, resurrected heaven and earth. And so when we get the first page of the gospel right, we then end up creating, because listen, doctrine dictates behavior. Doc, your doctrines that you believe about God will dictate the behavior that you have towards God and, and even in your life unconsciously. 
So if you think that the gospel is just Jesus saving me from hell, then you're going to miss out on all of that, all of the riches of the calling, all the riches of the gifts, the uniqueness that God has made you and only you with to build for that kingdom of God. But you don't, you know what? This world's passing away. This world, the system of this world is passing away. The kingdom of God is coming in, but this world isn't going anywhere. Jesus says, I'm making all things new, not all new things, right? He's making all things new. He's transforming this world into what he intended it in the beginning. And what does it do? Who does it? What does it? How does it? It's the gospel, the power of the gospel. It comes and it restores as far as sin corrupts. Do you start to see who you are now in Christ? You are somebody who wields the Holy Spirit with a God-given purpose that cannot fail because of the power of the gospel. And many people stop just at getting saved, going to heaven. I'm not going to hell. I'm happy. That's all. I'll just take that. Just give me that, please. I can't worry about all this other stuff. Don't worry about the other stuff. Just know that God saved you and he's put you exactly where you are today purposely, whether it's a good feeling or a bad feeling, a good situation or a bad one, wherever you're at in your life, triumph or tragedy, God's put you there right now. Maybe it was from your mistakes or maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But he's put you right where you are. And the gospel guarantees that you're there because of his purpose, because the gospel is breaking into the world and transforming it, culminating it to that. Not that everything's getting better and better and better, because that's not how the gospel works, is it? No, it hits the pain. It hits the suffering. It transforms it. It takes the curse of sin and it reverses it. And that's what we do with the power of the gospel as Christians. We go out, we touch. And just like Jesus, when he touched, he didn't become unclean. They became healed. You have that power. And I'm not saying supernatural, oh, you know, I turned this into that. But I'll tell you right now, love is undefeated. It's undefeated. So you have the love of God in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you go up against any evil, any wickedness, anything like that, it may not be, it may not be fun, it may not look pretty, but you are winning that battle. Because love never fails. And that's the, and that's the other aspect of the gospel that I wanted to save for last. Because this is really what the gospel is all about, right? I give you all the technical theological announcement, this word, that word, and all that. But what's the gospel really about? That four-letter word, love. Right? It's the love of God in its ultimate manifestation, for lack of a better way to put that. I know that's sort of spiritist stuff, right? But it's ultimate, you know, if you want to see the God's power at its highest point, look at the love that he put, that, look at the power that he put into the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ for you so that you, a human being, could be together with him and fulfill the purpose that he, you can be a part of this. And as a matter of fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that your labor is not in vain. So everything you do after you believe the gospel, everything you do for the Lord is building towards the kingdom of God. It's almost like you ever, you have your car stuck in the snow, right? And you got two guys that are trying to push it out. And then somebody else comes and it's just that, that, that little extra push. It just pulls you right out. And then you go. 
Okay? And so this is what we have to look at when we think about the gospel. This is what we have to look at. The gospel has the power to, right now to transform every single thing in this world that has sin attached to it. It has the power right now to transform every single soul into a new born-again believer in Jesus Christ. But God chooses to take his time and do it through you because of the power of the gospel. And so what you have to do is focus. This love of God is dwelling in you. And so you're going to go out and push and push and push this kingdom forward. Little by little by little. So that car's stuck. You got two people pushing. Another person comes. It starts to move a little bit forward. Another person comes, and then it's cranking. That's what your works in Christ through the gospel does for the kingdom. But you miss all that if the gospels just get you out of hell free card. You want to just focus on that? Hey, I'll see you in heaven. And I don't want to say anything after that, because who knows what God's plan is, right? I'll be the one, normally be like, with the one with my foot in my mouth, right? But I'm just telling you, this is what the scripture says. The gospel, it's about what he did. I mean, I could keep going. I could talk about his life of perfect obedience. There's actually been some books written on the gospel, I think, too, that you could probably pick up. But the word gospel as it relates to the proclamation, is, it's, it's, it's the announcement to the four gospels. It's all talking about the announcement of the kingdom of God. Those four gospels, the gospel category as literature, those four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those four gospels are about the kingdom of God and being pushed in. And so the gospel, it's about Jesus. It's about what he did. It's about his life of obedience, his atoning death, his resurrection, his, and all these things. But it's the announcement of these things in the context of Jesus being king, buying back the world. Now he wants the totality of your life to look like gospel. And that's what we mean when we say gospel-centered life. We know that what we're doing is a life of, I mean, honestly, it's a life of death, right? It's like Kevin mentioned it this morning. It's a daily suffering of killing sin in our life. Not suffering like, you know, we're getting whipped and all that, but it's a try. It's hard. Does anyone say here it's easy? See me after church because I want to know what you're doing because I'm having a hard time. It's hard, okay? But the victories, they grow and you get strong. Your spiritual muscles get exponentially stronger and that's called sanctification, but that happens after. But it's this amount, it's all of the benefits of understanding that Christ is king. This is his world. And the gospel that you have, the message of Jesus dying on the cross, rising again, ascending into heaven, that's what changes hearts. And again, it's not like you have to go, oh, I'm going to share the gospel and you open up this sort of perfect explanation of it. That's not it. See, that's the final thing is now that we have it, we have to share the gospel. And so when you share the gospel, it could be anything about Jesus, right? It could be, you could be talking to someone like the other day I was talking to someone about Jesus and talking about, you know, the rich young ruler. And we were talking about how he got turned away. The guy really wasn't a Christian. And I left and I felt like, you know what? I was sharing the gospel with him. Did I share the actual method of how to get saved and all that other stuff? I didn't get a chance to do that. 
But what I was saying was from the Gospels, and I know I could have preached the Gospel out of that, and I alluded to it. So we may say, oh yeah, I, I preached the Gospel. But those are the conversations that you want to have. Don't try to go out and say, what's the, the specific process? Right? And thank you, Mary Beth. She just shared the Gospel up here, right? She shared God's transforming power in her life through trials, through tribulations. She didn't go up there and say, because of the royal announcement of Jesus Christ being made king, and because of his uh, prophetic, you know, fulfilling of the scriptures. And it, it, we, again, that's the technical, but I want us to stay on the technical a little bit. To seep that in. And to know that it's not just go to heaven, go to heaven, here's Jesus the Savior, accept him into your heart and do all these other things. We want to make sure that we proclaim Christ rightly. And that starts, page one, as king. That's what all the, 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 the gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and certainly through the epistles. So, well, now, you know, this begs the question. I mean, I guess we could close right now and go start eating some great African food. But you don't have the gospel message unless you believe the gospel. Is there, are you one of those people sitting here that has understood the gospel? You have knowledge of it. You know in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know that's true. You know he rose from the dead. In your heart, you know. In your heart, God has told you. If you're sitting here right now and that's stirring up in one way, shape, or form, then that's God calling you. He's opening your heart. He's opening your eyes. You have to take that step of faith now. You have to take that step of faith and simply tell Jesus, I believe. I believe you died. I believe you rose. I believe you ascended. I believe you're king. And I, and I want to serve you, Lord. And God, take this sin away from me. I turn from this sin, Lord. Whatever it is, just, you, just, you just pour it out to him. And you turn from it. And then you're going to see everything that I just started talking about. I was just talking about. And so much more. But by denying and turning from the gospel, you are literally denying the only way to Christ. And see, that's the big problem. If we took out, like we were talking in, in foundations about Jesus being the only redeemer. If you just took that word out only and put in A, you'll be the, you, everyone's going to love you. Jesus is a redeemer. Jesus is one of many ways that you could get saved. Just pick somebody. This is what most world religions will tell you. This is what the Catholic Church is starting to say. This is what, obviously, Islam says. Jesus was a prophet. He was good. Okay, this is, this is what specifically the Jehovah Witnesses say. He was a God. A. No. He is the only way to save yourself. He is the only way to save And I shouldn't say save yourself because you aren't saving yourself. It's the grace of God. So the, the beautiful thing about all this is that it's God's gift to you, this gospel. Oh, but you have to receive it right now. You have to, if he's presenting it to you, it's his power. He's drawing you, but you have to receive it. And right now, that with those words, now you have the truth. At least as best as I can articulate it. Who Jesus is. Why he came to die. All that. It's in the gospel. Read through. You won't find too many just sort of, here's the gospel laid out. You see, Romans 1, that's a good description of the gospel. 
In our benediction, I'm going to read uh, uh, the description out of 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, that's a really good. But I, I think what would be the one that really encapsulates the gospel is that God loved the world so much that he gave, he so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so when he gave, it wasn't out of here. It was a loving gift to you, sinner. Here, Mr. Enemy, take my son. That's what Jesus said. And so what do we do with that other than if we really understand and we really do, how can we not run to him? How can we not run to the cross? And if you're afraid, rightly so, you're gonna God's going to change you, but you have to trust him. Okay? So I'm running to embrace a cross. Yes, you got it. doesn't make sense, does it? We want to run away from things that kill us. But this isn't going to kill you physically. This is going to kill that, that man inside, that woman inside that's constantly plaguing you with all those mistruths. And then you're going to encounter the truth. Jesus Christ, for real. But you must believe. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your, your son. I pray, Lord, that uh, you would draw the people even stronger, Lord, that are yours. Throughout this town, throughout this city, this state, everywhere, Lord, we pray. We pray for this church. We pray for the people at, uh, in, in Freehold, Lord, that, like, as, as we prayed before, come to them all, prepare hearts, prepare them for all the, the conversations, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here that is at that tipping point, Lord, that they would just see even more clear now and run to embrace that cross, Lord, and have their life changed forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.